When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to a festive edition of the Tripe Supper. Uh, Dom must be doing some Christmas shopping or something. Uh, I'm joined by Phil Tolentay and Anthony Vickers to look ahead to Boxing Day's trip to Burnley. Chaps, Merry Christmas firstly. Are we doing anything nice on, on Christmas Day? Uh, looking forward to Boxing Day. <laughs> Eating lots Eating and lots, lots and lots and lots. Trying on new jumpers. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll crack straight on to... Uh, you look the, good in the, the, the host's chair, by the way. Oh, well, yeah, I, I feel, yeah. I feel yeah. like a... A slightly yeah. inferior Dom Shaw. I mean, I've dressed up in his checkered shirt and stuff, but uh, there you go. Um, Boxing Day, Burnley, it's a bit of a mouthwater room with that one, isn't it? As soon as the fixtures were released, that one certainly jumped out to me. Yeah, it's strange how it's developed to be a bit of a needle match. Uh, I don't think there's any love lost between the, the, the two camps. Uh, there was uh, quite a lot of uh, antagonism off the pitch last year, and of course a lot of rivalry on it. And... Uh, it's developed into quite a little strange rivalry. Uh, I think Borough go there thinking if they get three points, it puts them in a really good position going into the new year. But Burnley have got a good home record, so it's a tough game on the pitch as well. Uh, I think it'd be an interesting atmosphere. Uh, although it's kind of portrayed as a grudge match, I'm not sure it is for most fans. I think it is. Uh, there's a lot of needle there for those fans who spend a lot of time on Twitter and who think it's good fun to troll each other. I think that's where a lot of the antagonisms come from, to be honest. But uh, it will be a match that both sides will think that they can win. It's, it's obviously uh, the needle that Vic mentioned. It is a bit of a new phenomenon, Phil. Was it all, all just to do with the heat of the promotion battle last year? I think, I think it stems back pretty much to the time Borough went there when Burnley were flying high in the Championship. It was, was it around March, April time? And... Um, they were expected to walk it, weren't yeah, they? They were second. If they, yeah, if they'd have won, yeah. they would probably have won the title. Yeah, and Karanka was uh, just a new Borough manager at the time. And Borough played really well on the day. Uh, rode the luck a little bit. Dimmy had a uh, had a blinder. And, um, they Burra, hit the bar twice. Yeah, Borough edged it 1-0. And obviously we didn't have a great deal to play for. They had everything to play for. And there was, their fans weren't happy about that. The, the ones that were sat around the press box were shouting, you know, well, if that's football, you can keep it and all that kind of thing, which I thought was... A little bit churlish, but there you go. That's football fans, isn't it? When you've just been beaten, we do we do react badly to that. Um, there's that little bit of aggro between Sean Dyche and Aitor Karanka, which um, is much ado about nothing really. I think I think there's that bit where the suggestions Aitor rank, gets rankled when there's a suggestion that he spent his way to promotion, and obviously Sean Dyche gets rankled to think that other people have more money to spend than him. And the truth's probably halfway between that. Um, I think he's done a fantastic job, Dice, whatever you think of him personally. I think he's a great manager. To get them up twice um, is a great achievement. Um, whatever, you know, like I say, it's a small town club. You know, it makes Borough look like Man United in some respects. I mean, Burnley's, I think, the smallest, one of the smallest towns to have a, to have, a, to have had a, a league championship winning side. Obviously, they won it years ago, well before our time. But it is a proper football town I think yeah. we should give them credit for that I mean I think the population is smaller than Darlington you know a similar size to Hartlepool they, they're punching massively above their weight in terms of an area they're surrounded by a lot of football clubs as well yeah. as we know the North West I think in a lot of ways it's a similar place to Middlesbrough yeah. I mean it's it's parochial but proper
proud. Uh, although it, it's, it has been at one time a, a massive industrial powerhouse, it was a huge cotton town uh, in the way that Middlesbrough was a huge steel town and, and that's kind of formed their, their self-identity. I think there should be a lot of affinity between Borough and, and Burnley. And I certainly can't remember any needle in the past. No. There's never been anything on the pitch. There's never been like a leg-breaking tackle. There's never been a flare-up. Uh, you know, and we've been bumping along merrily for years. Yeah. Now, I don't think it was helped at the back end of last season, the, the way that the season finished, because, I mean, some of the things that came out of the Burnley, uh, the, the club itself, Joey Barton's end-of-term reception uh, speech. He could cause a fight in an empty it, room. He could, and, and maybe it wasn't the best idea to hand him the microphone and ask him what he thought about the end of the season. I can understand why Burnley might be a bit cheesed off, because they'd won the title uh, on the last day, yet all the attention of the global audience was on Borough v Brighton, because that was the that was the £170 million uh, shootout game. Uh, it was a game that had drama, it had a, a game that had jeopardy, and Ultimately, either of those two teams could have could have gone up as champions. Well, there's a bizarre decision to have the championship trophy at Borough, mm. which, while was great for us, um, obviously the 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 onus was on Burnley, wasn't it? They were they were pretty much nailed on as champions. It was yeah. ridiculous. And, and I think yeah, that's one of the reasons yeah. that there's that antagonism. Yeah. Is that I, they... by the way, I don't think it's I don't think it's it feels much more antagonistic down there because it's a small enclosed yeah. ground. Borough take three thousand fans, and they will feel aggrieved yeah. that their big day was played out in a half-empty stadium <laughs> under military Charles, lockdown. They, 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 they have a point as well, don't they? Because that, that championship yeah. trophy should have been exactly, the Valley Cup. Yeah. Exactly, but that antagonism should be aimed at the football yeah. league yeah, yeah. and at Sky rather than Borough. Yeah. You mentioned the the relationship between Aitor and, and Sean Dyche. We'll call it relationship, I think, in inverted commas. Um, it was something that kind of rumbled on throughout last season. It was like a little narrative, wasn't it, beyond the football and. And there was little you know, spits for yeah, stats. And I, I, and I think, to be fair, they, they didn't. They, they probably encouraged it a little bit, um, if truth be told. You know, it suited both of them to get the message across. Um, as I say, clearly, there's not a great deal of love lost, and that's fine. Not every manager has to get on with his rival. Uh, again, I think it's much ado about. They're both proud men. They're Do you both, think they're similar? Probably are. They're a lot, I think a lot of managers are similar. You have to be. You have to have a huge amount of determination to be a manager. You have to, lot, you have, to have a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for. You have to uh, self belief. You, you know, you've got, you've got, to, you've got, you passionately believe that what the way you want to do things is right. And of course, that means that you're going to come up against similar-minded people, and you're not going to get along. Um, I mean, I, I suspect there's a mutual admiration as well there. But possibly there's a similarity as well that uh, the style of football they espouse, the philosophy they've imposed on their team is not necessarily eye-catching and maybe they feel the need to justify that because I mean Sean Dyche I mean his team's digging two banks of four long ball forward diagonals to the big man uh, you know sometimes they'll snatch a 1-0 win having had 20% of possession and for a neutral that's probably not not good to watch and you could probably say the same about Borough you know you know we know it's it's rigid it's defensive it's it's very well organized well drilled possession based uh, and again, you know, we've been criticised by pundits this season for for not going out and attacking and not entertaining. And both managers probably think, hold on a minute, my job's to win games, mm. and I don't care what you think about how I do it. So maybe there is that similarity, although the stars are different. 
the methodology and, and the psychology might be very similar. It won't, it won't feel the same, by the way, as I was just saying before. When they come here, it's not quite the same aggro, is it? They don't bring as many fans. It's a bigger stadium. Uh, as Vic says, probably the vast majority of Borough fans don't really care too much about Burnley one way or the other. It's, um, it's probably more... The sort of fans who go away with Borough probably more the sort of fans who would, would go banging the drum and, um, and, and, and loving, the, loving that sort of dialogue with opposition fans because you do, don't you? you, you it, it makes more of a match when there's a little bit of needle. It was interesting. I was speaking to the, uh, the Burnley chap this week and he was saying that it's it's been interesting. They've obviously looked at Borough and, and likewise probably is as a bit of a barometer of how are we doing this season. How, yeah. Well, how are the teams that came up with us doing and that kind of see. Do you think Borough, you know, are, are pretty much on course? I mean, obviously they moved ahead of Burnley after the win against Swansea. Yeah, I think uh, more or less, um, give or take, where we exactly where we thought we'd be. Probably would have had on another day maybe three more points and being that little bit more comfortable but I think we said at the start of the season it was going to be a long long um, a long long and hard battle everyone had to keep their nerve you know there has been setbacks but there's also been some vital wins um, so I, th- I think I think Borough are where we'd expect them to now, you could argue that Burnley are slightly overachieving given the relative merits of both squads but I think what you know, what we know about Burnley is they're a team. You in every say they haven't spent any money. Well, uh, the, the, <laughs> we'll avoid that one. <laughs> uh, I think what they are is a team in every sense of the word. Whereas Aito might use his squad. I mean, I, I haven't looked hugely closely at the way Burnley do things, but I think it's more about a group of players who know exactly what they're doing day after day after day. They're set role in the team. They may be more predictable, but Burnley, but also maybe is more better at carrying out their their, their tasks. Whereas Borough. You know he will try and change things for certain opposition. He'll bring Triar in, Triar in, or leave him out. You know we've seen him, we've seen him experiment a little bit with the formation this season. So I think I think Burnley are probably slightly punching above the weight at the moment. I think Borough are pretty much where everyone within the club would have liked them to be. There's a, a safety trajectory of about a point a game, and they're, they're slightly ahead of that at the minute. Uh, you know there's, there's been ups and downs either side of that curve, but they're pretty much on that curve. And if you'd have said to people. You know, at the halfway point, you'll be four point four points clear of the relegation spots. People would have grabbed that. Yeah. That's I think that's where we're going to be all all season. You know, you, you might get a couple of draws or lose one and draw one, and suddenly you're, you're looking over your shoulder and you're just one point above the relegation zone. And then you win a game and it looks like you're safe again. And I think we're going to be like that, nip and tuck all the way through this season. And there will come moments when you know we have a we have a bad run and it's going to suddenly look look like it could get a bit sticky. Looking at the game itself on, on Boxing Day, um, Burnley, like Borough, strengthened in the summer, albeit slightly different approaches. I think Borough kind of had their strategy, had the people they wanted to get from, from word go, basically, and, and move very quickly. Burnley were a little bit more patient and you know waited. They made several bids for you know, the likes of Jeff Hendrick and Defoe that both teams have strengthened. But do you expect a similar game to what we saw back in, uh, it must have been April, wasn't it, Turf with a 1-1 draw? Yeah, I do, actually. I think, I mean, I think what we saw in the summer was the, the completely different recruiting strategy. You know, Borough, we, we, we've seen the benefit of Borough of three, four, five years of planning so that Borough, you know, probably shopping at different markets to be fair than Burnley. They they look as though they're recruiting what from the championship, from the from the football league. Um they they know their own they've got no delusions of grandeur. They know they can't attract the top players any more than we can attract top top players paying top top dollar. Obviously the difference is we were able to go somewhere like Valencia 
and using the, the, the great contacts that the club have got to, to bring in a Negredo and somebody like that. So that's probably the major difference, is that Borough have probably got a better continental model of a scouting network. Of course, I haven't spent a lot of time down at Burnley, so I'm not exactly sure how they... But it strikes me that um, Sean Dice has, a certain, has in his mind a certain type of player that he wants to sign, and it has to obviously fit into his system. I think the game, like you say, is going to be like the last one. It'll be a little bit probably... Um, it might be a bit cagey at first, but I think... Because obviously, it was more like a cup final, wasn't it, in April? You know, It was almost win at all costs, or don't lose at all costs. Um, yeah. I th- I there isn't quite it, the same... It was for them, because they, they had to win, because at that yeah. point, they were, they were what, four points behind Borough, so they had to win that. Uh, Borough, a draw was enough yeah. for Borough. So it was a coach. night match, it was a good atmosphere. Yeah. It was a... I think it'll be similar, because nothing fundamentally has changed. Both teams might have new players in, but the ideology and the methodology and the shape of both teams is unchanged. So I think it's you know almost inevitable that that's that's the shape it will take, and it, it, I think it's a, a must not lose for for both sides as well. It's an interesting narrative really that Borough have largely been more impressive away from home, haven't they this season? Burnley, it's completely the opposite. I think they've won sixteen of their seventeen points so far at Turf Moor. Um, I mean, something's got to give there, hasn't it? Really. Yeah, it has. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's got draw written all over it. Then, because has it not? Um, I mean, when you when you use stats to that effect, I think I think what we're learning in the Premier League is that you know it's about key moments. You know, you get you know we we saw on on at the weekend against Swansea City, it was a pretty moderate game if you're just looking for technical excellence. A lot of both teams were struggling um, to string passes together. I think the difference that we're seeing is that Borough's bit of class is telling. So you get, you know, Swansea had their moments but weren't able to do anything with them. Borough had their moments, you know, and Agredo's fantastic finish. That wasn't an easy uh, execution by any man. Uh, you know, Ramirez's little bits of magic. Um, that is what Borough can bring to a game like that. So you've got when you've got two well-matched teams, they've got the little bit of class, I think, that makes a difference. So hopefully, you know that, that that's the case as well on Boxing Day. There was a column this week from Eric Paler who mentioned Ramirez and Negredo and said they're the difference that in the relegation battle, no other team down there has the players of that ilk that that can kind of separate sides. I mean, are Borough very reliant on Ramirez and Negredo? Are they the, the two key men, or is it more of a team thing? With- well, obviously, if they turn it on, that makes a massive difference, uh, especially Ramirez, because he can be the spark. Uh, but I, I think it'd be a mistake to think that Borough aren't well organised and don't operate as a team and, and can function without them. Because I, I think, you know, what Borough have, to, what, what the, the key to Borough's success over the years has been delivering a team that is greater than the sum of its parts. And it, it is all about the team. And uh, the, the manager would tell you that it is about the team, not individuals. And, and if people aren't doing it, he, you know, he's shown a willingness to drop them. But yes, you know, the, the, it only takes a second to score a goal. And if you have people on the on the pitch that are capable of doing that, that that gives you an edge. Uh, but I think it will be, I think it will be an attritional game between two very well organised teams who are being cautious because neither will want to lose. Phil, I know we've spoke about Ramirez you know, until the, you know, certainly at length over the last few weeks, but Negredo's one that's a little bit more interesting, isn't he? He's, he's now got four goals in four. He went that 11-game run without scoring. Are we, do you think, from what you've seen, he is a, a very much a confidence player or a Borough just starting to play to his strengths a little bit more? Um, probably a little bit of both. I think all strikers, to a degree, are confidence players. Um, he did lack service. There's no two ways about it. And I think... 
you know, we saw that even for a top class player like him, some of his finishing looked a bit. Um, it looked a bit nervous as well, didn't it? We think particularly to the Palace game where he where he missed a good chance, and Arsenal as well, where he looked out on his feet. Um, you know, he's only human. He, he, he needs good service. He needs to feel confident. Um, what, the thing that he, he has got is, I mean, obviously there's that issue about him. He's only got one foot. <laughs> the old argument about he needs everything on his left foot, and, he, and that's one of the reasons why, why maybe he hasn't converted more chances this season. I don't know, but I think I think to have a player of that ability. You know, I think you know. Hear people, fans getting frustrated that other players aren't playing up front, and uh, I don't think the reason that Negredo hasn't scored as many goals as maybe we wanted is because he's not good enough, or that he's not trying, or, or that he's. You know, it really does come down. You know, if you if you give him twenty chances a match instead of one or two chances a match, you know, he'd have twenty five goals this season so far. You know, and we saw that when he was at City, when he was in a great team that created more chances, he put them away. So I think you know. What they say is class is permanent, isn't it? And he's definitely got class. I think the, the the key is how the shape of the game is. I mean, against Swansea, we saw him getting into positions, but that was a game where the midfielders were bombing on. Uh, you know, where uh, Clayton got forward and did he step over and cut it back for the goal, which was a brilliant finish because it it came slightly behind him and he had to kind of lean back to get his foot around it. Uh, but finish. also, we saw you know. Uh, Forshaw was getting forward and Ramirez was getting forward and Deroom was getting forward and that creates space and angles and opportunities in the box and I think we've seen more of that in the last couple of weeks when it's a game where the opposition has sat back, sat deep uh, and there's no space to operate in and Middlesbrough's midfield is, is, is sort of 30 yards out there's very little opportunity to bring him into play and then it becomes long balls and it's the question is, oh, he's not holding it up, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's not getting the service. So I think it's the nature of the game where, where we see him. If you want to get the best out of him, clearly it's about being more, uh, more expansive and getting more midfielders forward. But not every game offers you that opportunity because you do it against some teams, you're going to get punished. I think the other thing is as well is that Aito was very frustrated by that performance on Saturday. I don't think that was for our benefit. That was genuine. You know, he... I don't think he'll have said that, said before the match to to Adam Clayton. I want to see you bombing through the middle or around the, down the left. He wouldn't have said to Martin Darun, "I want you to push on." There was a there was an element of dis- uh, lack of discipline about that performance on Saturday that would have annoyed Aito. He likes things to be boxed. You know, he likes all the boxes ticked. He wants to. Be, I mean, let's not overlook the fact that yet another clean sheet, by the way. But. You know, he starts with defensive resilience, and you know he's got in his eyes he's already got enough players on the pitch to to get forward without having to commit his defensive midfielder as well. So I don't think we'll see that too often this season. I mean, Swansea was so all over the place. I think that affected Borough quite. You know, if you see the opposition, they're well organised. I think that suits Middlesbrough in some respects because they know what they've got to do. They know how to, how to go about it. Yes, Liverpool put them to the sword in the second half but you haven't seen that too often this season it'd be interesting in terms of team selection because obviously on the back of a 3-0 win you'd just presume it would be the same team but as you said Phil Ito said it was the worst performance of the season which were maybe a handy habit to have may not be you know um, Victor Fisher obviously he's got to be a major doubt after after going off if he is out would would you start Triore at Turf Moor or is it too small a pitch would you potentially bring Downing in what, what are you thinking I don't know it's a difficult one because clearly Aito has teams for certain occasions whereas some of us maybe pick the best 11 every week no matter what You know, certainly some managers would do that uh, Sean Dyche probably being one of them um, he has got the luxury of trying different things um, I mean I think with Triore he does just have that X factor you know, if you know, if if you're up against a team where you you know you're going to have a struggle to break them down, 
even if you have to play further up the pitch. He does give you that. Obviously, you want Ramirez in there if he's fit. He, he's the other X factor. And I'd like to see Downing in somewhere else in that midfield for that extra bit of nous. Now, whether that's as an attacking role or alongside the Daroons or the Foreshaws, let's wait and see. But um, I, I, don't th- I don't think you need to be negative to, to be positive, if that makes sense. Or, you know, which, which is an implication, isn't it? The implication is if you're playing a worse team where you're going to have the ball more, you play your less flair players. I'm not quite sure how that works. I understand the thinking behind it, but I'm not sure it necessarily works. Well, I think it's the kind of game where Traore will probably be on the bench because Burnley will sit deep. But they like to give you possession 30, 40 yards out, but there won't be any space to run behind them. So I think that that's the kind of game where in the past uh, Itor has, has kept up, kept Traore on the bench, which makes sense then to bring in Downing for for uh, Fisher on, on that flank. Uh, because as you said now game management it could be a tense game uh, it could re- require patience and we know that he keeps possession you know recycles the ball well he's uh, you know under pressure he's he's a good man to have on the pitch he's experienced uh, to me it makes sense to put him into games like this that could be close for tense uh, there could be a bit of a bit of a niggle there maybe as the game wears on <coughs> I'd prefer to see him uh, and a shape that that we know works uh, and keep Trari up our sleeves for later on In the second half in Swansea I almost fell off my chair when um, actually George Friend came back on the pitch and Fabio played on the left wing now a lot of fans I know that have been very impressed with Fabio albeit his baptism of fire against Chelsea since then he's hardly put a foot wrong how does he fit in at this team because you probably say on current form he deserves to be in that 11 doesn't he could he play you know, potentially at a right back or you know, surely Aito played him as a winger against yeah, I think I think we've got to be careful not to get too carried away. I've like I've liked the look of him so far. I think, you know, I I've still you know, it wasn't all his fault, but a lot every, just about everything that Liverpool did came down his flank and I think he, he you know, I, I was surprised more that more wasn't made of that. He wasn't helped by Fisher. It was exactly, it wasn't helped by Fisher. Um there's an argument that he should start on the right for Barragan who's been Steady at best since he came in. He hasn't done a lot wrong, but he's he started well, didn't he? Yeah, he's he's you know he it looks you know it looks as though he's I don't know maybe he's just tiring a little bit, needs a break, needs a rest. Who knows? Um, so that's the op- that's that's an option. I don't think Fabio's an option further forward, and I, I keep going back to it. But you know he was in the championship probably for a reason. Um, he had his chance at the top top level, you know, with Manchester United, and then he's obviously dipped down the leagues. I think he's an excellent buy. He's the kind of buy who can pay off. But I'm not sure he's, you know, the answer moving in the, in the forward areas. No. Vic, Vic, um, Aito's always run a meritocracy, hasn't he? Do you think George Friend will slot straight back in or will he will he go with Fabio? Well, I, I think Fabio will be there for certainly for, for the Burnley match because I don't think George is fully up to speed yet. It was nice to see him back to prove that he was fit and, and uh, get a few minutes under his belt. But I think the bottom line is that probably Fabio... Uh, he's got the the shirt, and it's up to George now to take it off him. Possibly he's a, he's a, a right wing option. Uh, my, my problem with having, with playing him on the right was would be to have two cavalier minded fullbacks, uh, because we know that George will get up the pitch and and bomb on. And if Fabio is doing the same on the right, I think that perhaps leaves you vulnerable to to a counter attack. So I can't see both of them being on the pitch at the same time. Although I can see that Fabio slots into the right and he's also played as a wing back um, <coughs> we saw that uh, uh, against Chelsea Borough switched to 3-4-3 three, three. and maybe if there's any any tactical 
master strokes up Aitor's sleeve. Maybe he could fit in a different role. I don't think he's competing in, on the left flank with uh, Downing and Fisher and possibly Ramirez might play mm. there as well. So I, I don't think he's... It's nice to have the cover. It's nice to have tick boxes and be versatile, but I can't see him ever really challenging for that place. One player who's very, very unlikely to feature on Boxing Day is someone we all know reasonably well in Patrick Bamford at Burnley, but seemingly on the periphery again. It's his third loan, loan spell that hasn't really worked out. But looking back to his time at Borough, I mean, he was... He really was a breath of fresh air, wasn't he? So what do you make of what's happened to him since? Uh, I mean, it's obvious that um, the move to Palace is, is, it was, was, the, was, it, was in, with hindsight, the wrong step for him. Um, I, th- I was in agreement with a lot of people, including Patrick Bamford, who thought that he deserved a chance in the Premier League. You know, he looked a good player for Middlesbrough. I've had him down as one of the best signings Crank has ever made. Mm. You know, he made a massive impact that season. And we all wanted him to stay. Crank wanted him to stay. And... I think if he had stayed, I think he'd be talking about a very different player now. But his his career stagnated completely. I think there is a, there, there is that degree of arrogance about him, and that's good in a striker. But there's, there's the feeling that he's possibly a little bit too big for his boots at times. I don't know if that's fair. Um, you hear stories that he's you know knocks on managers' doors, demands to start, and there's nothing wrong with that. Again, you've got to know you're you know he did that at Borough. Um, it's just a case of a, another Chelsea player who's battling to find the right club. Um, I mean, if Borough offered him now, we wouldn't take him, would we? So the, the tables have turned 18 months later from a situation where we'd have snapped his hand off if, and to the point where he's now a player who is, is, is looking for a game wherever he can get one. I mean, football's all about fine margins and, and that, that decision he made could well have been the one that defines his career. You know, had he pushed Chelsea and said he wanted to join Borough, I've no doubt whatsoever that he would be here. Uh, as Phil says, you can't blame him for wanting to try in the Premier League. He proved in the Championship he could score goals. Not just here, but he did it at Derby. He'd scored goals at MK Dons. He ticked that box. <laughs> and you can see that in terms of his career development, his next move was to do it in the Premier League. Uh, whether he chose the wrong club for you know reasons of convenience, uh, whether... He chose whether the manager wasn't right, the fit wasn't right. Sometimes it doesn't matter what the reasoning is. If you lose your momentum, it's really easy in football to suddenly find yourself right out on the fringes. And once you've done it two or three times and not broken through into the team, big question marks start to arise as to why. And, uh, and he won't want to step back down to somewhere no, like that will, one. That will ad- but, almost but, be admitting failure. Yeah, but, he but that's sh- probably what he's going to have to do. He, he will do it. Yeah. And, and he might do it having lost his spark mm. because you know if you, you know once you when you've got the momentum and you're scoring goals and you, you believe you can do it and you rip this league apart then that gives you the extra edge in games if you go into games with doubts and everyone not being scared of you because you, they think you're a busted flush maybe that changes the dynamics on the pitch the interesting thing about Bamford how many times do you go down the pub and you hear that you know no striker can thrive in in this borough system and under Karanka in the way that they play He's the one that has proved that it's possible. He, he scored 19 goals in that campaign and, and could have got more as well. He's, he's looked the most convincing Borough striker, probably. Or, or, you know, if you're weighing up all the, you know, the, the elements. In, in Karanka's time at Middlesbrough, he, um, he had that swagger on the pitch. He was a good finisher. Um, he was creative. Um, he, looked up, he looked like he felt he belonged. He, you know, that, that self-confidence suited him at Middlesbrough. Um, you know, think back to that game against Derby before I think it was before Christmas, wasn't it, two thousand and fourteen, fifteen, when he was a great team performance from Middlesbrough. There's been some great examples of 
of, of him being the right man for the right mm. club, which is why it's again it's such a shame he didn't stay on. I mean, in hindsight, it didn't make any matter, it didn't matter to Middlesbrough for a one promotion. But I think he's a better. I think he looked a better player than Kike, for example. Um, Blasphemy that. Well, you know, if you look at if you look at the evidence. He he just did. He looked mm. a better, you know. And KK is still playing in the top division in Spain. So, you know, again, that's with the benefit of being able to look back at what happened. Um, you know, he thought he got. He thought he was going to Palace. He'd be probably playing every week, score a dozen goals, make his name, go back to Chelsea, and potentially, you know, we've seen some players coming through at Chelsea, haven't we? Like Victor Moses, who've got a chance. Uh, at the moment, his best option looks to be to go down to the middle of the Championship. Or the league, a decent League One club, and just play football because at the moment he's, he's as I say, his, his career is just uh, it's going nowhere. We certainly hope that he he does do well in the future. Obviously, not on Boxing Day. We don't expect him to be involved anyway. Looking just a little bit beyond Boxing Day, obviously it's a bit of a, a crucial spell coming up for Borough. Certainly, the three games you got Burnley away, you got Man United away on New Year's Eve, and you got Leicester at home. Obviously, Leicester will be out without Jamie Vardy, who's banned. What do you think would be a respectable return out of those three games? Nine points. It's again, it's difficult because we, we, you can come up with a points tally before three games, and um, you're just going to assume that all your rivals will pick up points as well. And, and we, you know, we did it before the end of last season, didn't we? And we thought, well, Borough's going to have to win at least two of the last four, and they ended up what drawing four, four in a row, yeah, yeah, four in a row, and, and won automatic promotion. So, I think, I think, crucial not to go to Burnley and lose. Anything you get at Man United is a bonus, and then I think Burrell beat. Le- I really do think Burrell beat Leicester. Well, I've got, I've got Le- a- Leicester are the one team that's got a worse record away from home than Burnley, so you'd think that would be a game that Borough would target to get three points and, and stay ahead of the pack. Uh, Burnley, I th- personally, I, I would take a draw. Uh, they're very good at home. Uh, any draw you get away from home is is a good one, and it would keep that point a game tally going. And Man United. Like Man City and Arsenal, it's a bonus game. Anything you get is very, very welcome. I think it's an interesting game because obviously there's the the Itor versus uh, Jose <coughs> subplot, <clears throat> and unfortunately, I think Man United have just picked up a bit in the last couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago, I was fairly confident that we'd go there and and Itor would put one over on him. Yeah. Now it looks like a much more difficult game. But you know, it, it's a funny game, football. And uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Borough to go there and get some. Obviously, not looking too far ahead, Phil. But that Leicester game could be interesting as well. We saw, we've seen Hull and Swansea both at the Riverside put in some fairly tepid performances. Are they are Leicester in real danger? Do you I, think? I think know? they're in danger, but I think they're a far better side <coughs> than Hull and Swansea. Hull and Swansea, are frankly, diabolical on what we saw at the Riverside. They were awful. They're both down for you. I just going off the evidence of my own eyes from those two matches. I thought they were dreadful. I mean. Swansea defensively, Hull just just across the pitch. You know they look a team that doesn't believe they can get out of that. They, they can stay in that division. And obviously massive problems behind the scenes, particularly at Hull. Although the issue over Bob Bob Bradley and the American owners at Swansea as well is is gonna is gonna run and rumble. And clubs don't do well when there's disharmony behind the scenes. Leicester are a little bit of a different kettle of fish. You know they picked up a good result the other week, didn't they? Um, as Vic says, away from home they're struggling. Um, the sound, the look as though the team that's been found out a little bit, don't they? And, I, and I, I do think that you know, I didn't think they were, you know, for all it's a great story that they won the league last season. They shouldn't have been anywhere near the league title. No. Um, it was a, it was a, a real sad 
um, indictment of the Premier League last year, the greatest league in the world, as we keep being told it is. That you know they won the title. Fair play to them for doing it. But that team should never have won the title. Uh, but I think I think this season's more of a. They'll be happy if they finish mid-table, I'm sure. Uh, I'd like to see them go down but win the Champions League because I think that would be brilliant art. <laughs> that would be fantastic. It would be impressive. Lovely. Thanks ever so much. Uh, wish you all a very Merry Christmas. We'll catch you after the Burnley game, hopefully with three points. Ho, ho, ho.